Oh, happy Wednesday. It is time. We are actually officially on podcast number seven. Ooh. Yeah, like a couple weeks ago, I said something about being on podcast like number four and we were totally off. But anyways, I'm so excited that we've made it to number seven. This is Rachel, as I'm sure you probably know. I am joined back again with my good friend, Jess Anderson. Hey. Hey. So before we get started, I just want to briefly add in here, if you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure that you are sharing these to your girlfriends, your friends, whoever needs some of this information in their life. Today is going to be a really good topic as well. Um, and also, more importantly, that you can share this link for free because the podcast is free and we get to do them for free for a various amount of reasons. But the more you share, the better off we will be, just as a heads up. So um, before we get started, Jess, why don't you tell people about you, where they can find your information, who you are, so in case they're interested. Well, I am the wonderful Miss Anderson. And you can find me at photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook at Photos with Anderson. I also have a super secret classified group on Facebook <laughs> for women 18 and older. Um, it is called Boudoir Photos with Anderson. So I've got a great, um, system going right now with my boudoir photography um but heads up prices are increasing on april 1st of 2020 so if you want to lock in my low low price of 150 dollars a session uh, make sure that you're reaching out to me asap because i want to yeah. get you in great time to do it right in the love rush season right yes. and if i'm not mistaken you just like uh accumulated five to six lingerie items i did for so your I, collection yes. yeah so i'm growing my it's called a client closet so you'll have something to borrow for the day of your shoot if i just so happen to have your um size and style in stock because i am slowly growing my my client closet. But yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy to be doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, how exciting. So that ladies don't necessarily even have to invest in mm -hmm. new product that mm -hmm. they would only necessarily wear for one session. Right. Right? That's awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah, and just as a heads up, the Good Girls Guide is doing the empowerment classes in February as well. There is going to be an online option. So if you are out of city, out of state, whatever, you just like to learn in your PJs, on February 18th, there'll be an online version. And then there will be an in-person version on the 27th. Uh, if you can make the in-person one, I highly recommend it. But uh, definitely check it out and let me know if you have any questions or concerns. And we'll get into this topic today. So Jess and I decided that we really wanted to cover communication. <laughs> it's not a sexy subject by any way, shape or form. I think people, you know, want to tune in to hear about the vibrations and the whatever, the CBD was a really, really popular conversation too. But here's the deal, yo. Um, as somebody who is in the industry with me, I think Anderson can 100% agree that it all ends up boiling down to communication. Mm -hmm. And when people ask me for advice, people tell me about their situation, I somehow try to stem it back into, well, what's your conversation like outside the bedroom? How is that conversation? So on and so forth. So let's just talk about it today because we could probably help you add some tools to your tool belt so that if your goal is to be super sexy in the bedroom, that's great, but it's going to start outside the bedroom. And if I dare to say, it will obviously deepen your connection overall, but it's going to make you feel better. It's oh, yeah. going to make you feel better in so many ways if you have good communication. Well, it gets you out of your own head and it gets you out of that monkey mind cycle of anxiety and yeah. doubting yourself. Oh, God, yeah. Because that's what we're doing. That's okay. So we'll get into it. Uh, we're just going to start. We're just going to start. Okay. So we don't really have like a format for it, but we were talking honestly about uh, some clients and uh, conversations that we were having. So we wanted to talk about some examples and um, hopefully again, give you some ways to get past 
whatever it is that's holding you back from having the right conversations with your partner. And again, this doesn't have to be limited to an intimate partner. Uh, you know, my success in my relationship between my husband and myself has absolutely stemmed into the way I talk to my children, mm -hmm. the way I talk to my team members, and so on and so forth. And again, it just makes life more fulfilling because then you feel understood, but also because then you relayed your message to somebody in the appropriate manner, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the biggest thing I think that we are at fault for when communication is, well, let's not even talk about that portion first. Let's, let's give yourself permission and grace to understand that it's not really your fault that you got here. Mm -hmm. So most of us were not conditioned to have the right conversations, right? Correct. I mean, the easiest one we can talk about is sex, right? Yeah. Like growing up, if you didn't have your parents who were really helpful yeah. to have that conversation, um, my you, you learned about sex from someplace else. Right. My mom literally, I asked her, I was like, why did we never have the sex talk? She's like, well, you didn't want to have it. And I was like, but you're the parent. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're supposed to make Yeah, and she was just like, whoo, exactly. right? Like, like oh, let me off the hook. My 12-year-old doesn't want to talk yeah. about sex. Sweet. Woo! Like, we're we're good. We're yeah. good. Yes, but I would agree with that. But, I mean, it, it's also money. Yes. Money is something, like... You know, we were just having this conversation on the team page where you were asking about credit cards and stuff. And one of our team members who is phenomenal was like, I've never had debt. I've always applied it, you know, the, those payments right away, blah, blah, blah. And then here's all these other poor women that were like, I've got credit card debt. I got credit card debt. I got credit card debt. Nobody ever taught me how to manage my money. And that's the majority because those are the hard conversations to have. So... You have to give yourself ease and grace and understanding it most likely wasn't your fault that you didn't learn how to talk to somebody that you didn't know how to verbalize what you were feeling. So you got to give yourself a break. But on the flip side, you got to give your partner a break as well, mm -hmm. because they probably grew up in the exact same scenario that they didn't have good model images about how to do that. And then lastly, if you are somebody in your relationship that does know how to communicate, that kind of sucks for you. Because if you are in love with somebody who doesn't know how, it's frustrating I'm sure it's absurd it's, it's the most frustrating thing probably yes. in your relationship but give them grace and give them empathy because your job is to show them the way honestly and when they f up because they're gonna on more than one occasion it's it's just love and guidance and patience okay so the first thing we want to talk about is assumptions because I think assumptions are probably going to be the thing we come back to most frequently when we're conversating about this right now um the, the age old adage of assuming makes an ass out of you mm -hmm. and me is a thousand percent accurate. But I heard that phrase when I was too young to understand it. Exactly. So then it just falls on deaf ears, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just, it's funny because you could say ass when you were little, <laughs> right? right? But it really is true. It makes an ass out of both people because it causes un, unwanted friction and arguments and tension when you don't say what you're supposed to. Okay. So the first thing we wanted to talk about was, uh, with assumptions was, assuming you know what your partner needs or wants. Correct. Right? And on the flip side, assuming your partner knows what you want and need. Which I think is probably easier to talk about yeah. first, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that. So especially from, I mean, I, I can't vouch because obviously I am feminine energy, but I think that this is, again, I, I might be lying out my teeth, but I think this is a bigger problem for women. I think so too. Is we assume men know what we want or our partner knows what we want. Well, it's because, I mean, it goes to how our brains are designed. Like it's, it's science that men's brains are, they have compartments, they have boxes mm. that are clean cut, cut edges and they think about one thing at a time and women have. Cyclical. Yeah. Everything's attached. I can't attached. Ever say that word, but cyclical. 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 Yeah. Um, and we, everything's attached and we think about everything and it's on a continuous And it bleeds, it, it bleeds. Because if I'm insecure in my job, it makes mm -hmm. me insecure as a mother and so on and so forth. Yes. So I think that just the way society has conditioned us our entire lives, we are the ones that are conditioned to overthink things and 
to assume that the world is out to get us. And so we're in our own heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I give this example um, without my husband's blessing, but he's not going to care. But I share this quite frequently with people. So ours it was a situation we were going to go grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. And I was like, grocery shopping means I'm going to run into somebody I know. So let me put on a basic face, right? Just a basic face. And um, that already made me feel kind of like, stupid because I'm like we were just going to the grocery store so I was already putting insecurities into myself and then when he was like well when are we gonna be ready to go and I'm like I don't know maybe like 10 minutes or something like that well he must not have heard me um because he went and put the baby in the car and I was like what are you putting in the car for because you're be in there for 10 minutes right and he comes like all the way upstairs like looks at me in my bedroom while I'm getting ready and says something as I'm putting it like makeup on my face walked away so the assumption Rachel was like is oh my god he's mad at me because he's like what are you putting on makeup you're so stupid because we're only gonna be there for like a half hour blah, blah 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 whatever so he goes downstairs to get the baby out of the car and so I was like throw my makeup across the room and I'm like whatever I'll just go like this so I go downstairs and he's like what are you doing I'm like what are you doing kind of thing you know and we're like going back and forth and come to find out it was just like he popped his head in to go I didn't see what you were doing like whatever whatever but my insecurity fed so quickly mm -hmm. that I spiraled it out of control and then it ended up being like an entire day where we didn't speak to each other over the stupid misunderstanding and miscommunication um and you know at the end of the day it was like me saying when you do a b and c it makes me feel insecure and it it does but he didn't know that and then on the flip side for him he's like yeah but when you make those assumptions it makes me feel like a b and c so if we wouldn't have talked about it we would have literally just not spoke to each other the rest of the day that would have carried into the next day and that's exactly what i used to do in my previous relationship because neither one of us was like I guess secure enough to like let down our guard and say I might have been wrong here and how do we fix it and you don't even have to like admit fault when you want to have that communication start it's more like what I said to you yesterday right is things feel off can we chat about it mm -hmm. again that that opens up the door because they might feel like you're at fault but you might feel like they're at fault but all you're going to end up doing is keeping in that cycle of fighting if you don't just say I want to hash it out right yeah well and my example is recent and it started last week there was a day that you know, my boyfriend Brett was like, oh, he, he was at work. He texted me. He's like, how's your day been? And all I said was, I'm tired. And then when we got home, he was making all these plans and like had wanted to surprise us with like going out to dinner. And he was just like, let's go do this. And he was all full of energy and hyper like he normally is. And it's cute, but annoying. But uh, I was just like, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. And what I realized is that when whenever I say I'm tired, it really means I'm exhausted. I don't have any extra energy to give anyone at this moment. And so when he kept saying, no, let's go, let's go. You have to go. You have to go. I was getting irritated because I was like, I kept telling you I, I just was said tired. I'm tired. Yeah. And, and I told you that I was tired earlier today and you, you're not listening to me. You're not, you're not getting what I'm telling you. And then, oh yeah, spiral. Cause then it was like, he wanted to drive separate because he had other things going on. And he just assumed that I would understand that that would be easiest, but he didn't explain what his plans were. He was just like, oh, you just drive separate. We'll meet you there. And I was like, I don't even want to go. Why yeah. am I going to drive separate? Yeah. But then, so the next day, you know, we had had, we had a conversation and I explained to him what I'm tired means to me. And I was hoping that that would help propel us in the future that when I am exhausted, cause I don't like to say I'm tired a lot. I don't, maybe I do, but I try to make a conscious effort of not telling people I'm tired all the time. Unless you're unless exhausted. I'm exhausted. Yes. Unless, yeah. unless it's, I'm five minutes from falling asleep. Like I don't like to tell people I'm tired. And so then was it yesterday or Monday? I think it was, I can't remember. Doesn't what matter it was. what it is. Yeah, it was Monday, but I told him that I was tired. And then he just started telling me like, oh no, I want you to go to the grocery store with me. Let's go, let's go. You know, you have to go. Come on, let's go. And I was just like, no, I'm tired. 
And so then I went with him because I was frustrated and I was just, I gave in and the whole trip was awkward and silent and like there's tension in the air because I was in a bad mood. I was mad at him for, for getting the conversation we had a week, a week ago. ago. Um, and so of course then other things happened and I just assumed that he was mad at me and like my monkey mind went to, oh, this is it. We're going to break up over this. This is the stupidest thing. You know, if he would just listen to me, like what I told him last week. So, and then the flip side, it also makes you want to shut down. Like, see, why do yes, I even bother exactly. like being open and you hear what I said? Yes. So thankfully I talked to you about it on Tuesday and you were just like, you just need to text him and ask him if you guys can talk. And so I did. I texted him and I was just like, hey, yesterday was really off between the two of us. Can we talk at some point later today? Mm -hmm. And he just responded, yes. And so I assumed that he was really mad at me, but... Because the answer was short, you the, mean? Yes, because the answer was short and not as, ex like, in-depth as I was hoping for. But when he got home, we had a really great conversation and there was miscommunication on both sides. And I reiterated what I'm tired means and he apologized and said that he's going to make a better effort of of hearing me and understanding what that means to me. Right. So that's that's exactly what we were talking about. Is like Because you had said to me when you explained the story to me off the podcast that you're like, it feels so silly to me to say now. Of course, he didn't know what I meant when I said I was tired. Yes. Because in my mind, Last that meant week, exhausted. Yes. But to the general public, if you were to say, I'm tired, it'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, you had a long morning or you need a nap or going to bed early or whatever. Most people would have made the same assumption that Brett did, but yes. you just didn't realize that everybody else's version of tired didn't mean the same thing that yours did. Correct. Which is, that's the most important thing that people need to take home is that what it means to you is not necessarily what it means to somebody else. So, I mean, I think that the biggest thing we talk about with this is sex, for sure, mm -hmm. right? Like you, we were just jokingly saying, like, here's the example we want to use is that like when men refer to women as dead fish in bed. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I laughed the first time I heard that. Because, I cried. Well. Because somebody referred to me. To you. Yes. Well, and that's what it was. Is yeah, somebody yeah. had referred to somebody I didn't like. And I'm uh, like, <laughs> Okay. Yes. But, but it's, it's very wrong. Mm -hmm. It's very wrong to say. I mean, it's ugh, crushing. Like you just said, it's soul mm -hmm. crushing to hear that kind of thing. But here's where we want to have your partner be listening with you. Because if, if your partner feels like you are a dead fish in bed, they're not doing something right. And before we, like, before he goes, Thea told you, you're also not doing something right. So let's take it, like, side by side, right? So if your partner assumes that you're, like, a dead fish, they think that you're not into sex, you're not sexual in general, as, as, a, as masculine energy, they almost always don't take it personally, right? It's not, it's not what they should be realizing mm -hmm. on why she's acting that way, which we'll get to. They are just like, God, like, I need a woman that's hot, I need a woman that is into this, blah, 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 blah. Now, on the flip side, women are feeling, I mean, I can't speak for every single woman, but I would assume that if you are acting like a dead fish in bed, it's because you're not into what's happening mm -hmm. for whatever reason. You're not attracted to the person anymore. Um, you're, you're too stressed. You didn't have enough foreplay to get you into the mood. You actually just don't like what's happening. It's not a turn on for you. So there's a number of different reasons it could be happening, but it is your responsibility to tell your partner why, mm -hmm. right? Like if you continue just to be a dead fish in bed you're going to also associate sex that way so then you're going to even if you had the perfect day even if your partner was on top of their a game if you always think of sex as a chore you're not going to enjoy it so your brain is going to get into that mode instead of super sexy mode it's going to get into rah, dead fish mode right yeah. so it is just as much as your responsibility to say oh i like it when you touch me that way or even if you can't and this is i think the thing that women struggle with is in the heat of the moment it's embarrassing or it's out of their comfort zone so it's easier just to lay like a dead fish yeah. um especially if it's i didn't really want to do this remember that you can always change your mind even yeah. if you're in a loving committed relationship is it potentially going to piss your partner off? 
yeah, but what's more important that you have sex consentingly and like it's loving and it's what you want it to be. You always have the right to change your mind, but you need to preface that with having good conversations outside the bedroom about sex and what sex means to you and what feels good to you and what your foreplay process is. Uh, because you can't expect your partner to be a mind reader on either sides of the fence. They don't know what you need unless you tell them and they, you won't get what you want unless you tell them. Yes. Yeah. And so in my experience, the guy that I had slept with that referred to me, he was like, He's like, oh, I don't think I want to have sex with you anymore because you're kind of like a dead fish in bed. Like, I was He crushed. said that to he you? Like, or like, that. was it like a conversation through text or something? Well, yeah, it was text message. Like, it was, Yikes! it was like, I was trying to like initiate our next hookup. He was just like, oh, like, I think I'm done. Was that with the this. only time you'd slept together? No, we had had sex a couple of times. Okay. And so, yeah. So it was just like, I was just like, oh, I'm like, I'm crushed. And I'd only had sex with like two people before him. So I was just like, okay, well, like, that I like, in my monkey brain was just overanalyzing everything. Yeah. But I had heard something somewhere, I honestly don't remember where I got it from, but it was about um, when you when you don't know how to tell your partner or you, when you don't know how to, to make noise in bed, mm -hmm. it's you grab their arm or you squeeze harder when they're doing something you like and you release pressure when you don't like like it. It's so that it's nonverbal. It's something that you don't have to make noise for if you you're don't not make comfortable. Yourself, you don't make yourself uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. And so you literally just grab onto a part of their body and you apply pressure when you like it and you release pressure. Yeah. So the next person that I had slept with, I tried that and they complimented me on... The feedback. On, on, it wasn't even the feedback. It was just like, wow, I really enjoyed having sex with you. And I was just like... Oh, the, yeah. I was like... I, and I told them, I was like, literally the last person that I had sex with told me that I was dead fish. And they were just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. And so like, it helped build my confidence. Yeah. But also so, proved to you did the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Proved to me that that advice worked. Yeah. And then now with my partner, like... I enjoy our sex life. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so it gets, it gets better with time. So I know, yeah, yeah. It's implementing those small changes. Correct. And that, the, those small communication cues, even if you're not verbalizing them, right. you're still giving positive reinforcement for behaviors that you like. Yeah. And you're taking them away for things that you don't like. Right. So, but it's, and it's taking them away is not necessarily a negative Shame thing. Shame on you. Right, yes, right, right. It's right. just communicating. It's replacing. Replacing, yeah, yeah. It's just communicating to your partner that, hey, I liked that thing you were doing just a minute ago better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go back to that other yeah. thing. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, oh, you said something I was wanted to piggyback on, but communication, right? So, like, what is the statistic is, like, 98% of what we do is nonverbal anyway, Yeah. right? And that's funny because, if especially if you're talking about sex, you're probably in the dark, but <laughs> you can still 100% nonverbally non communicate to your partner what you like, just like what you had said. Um, with holding onto their arm and squeezing it or whatever body part you got in your hand, I suppose. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's all the same. Like, it's pushing your body into them mm -hmm, if it feels yeah. good and pulling your body away. Like, not jerking it away, not, like, shame on you. Don't like, hurt anybody. Right, exactly. Yes. Just, like, moving your body a little bit farther away or positioning your body to whatever it is that you want them to touch is really important as well. Um, and it is exactly what you said about the baby steps because at the very beginning of the relationship, you know, like, this is what I talk about, like, with my... Um, my clients at parties to get comfortable, like if you are, you know, trying to fall in love with your body, your mm -hmm. physical body, that it's okay to wear shirts and yes. whatever and whatever, whatever. But it's all about those baby steps because maybe the first time, even in pitch dark, if you wear a shirt, you might feel better. But maybe the second time around you have your bathroom light on and there's a, the hallway door is not even open. Like it's just enough light to come through the bottom. And then after some time, the door is actually open or the light's actually on or whatever. It's the exact same philosophy. So if you started in bed 
and you did the squeezing thing. Mm -hmm. That's like perfect, right? But maybe the next time around you were able to push your whole body into them or guide their hand to where you liked it. And maybe the next time after that you were able to let a soft moan out and it doesn't have to be like in, right in number two that it could be just like when they're rubbing your shoulders when it's incredibly mild. It's all good information and feedback for partner, but it makes not only your confidence grow, but it increases your pleasure. Yes. Because when when you don't give them the cues, when you don't feedback, when you don't make noise, you're in your head at that point mm-hmm. because you're so insecure about how do I sound, what do I look like, mm-hmm. that you're so distracted that it's taking away from the pleasure. And I had discussed this in a live not too long ago is that the more comfortable you get, the higher it builds the intimacy. The mm-hmm. higher it builds the intimacy, the deeper the connection is. The deeper the connection is, the more erotic it becomes. The more erotic it becomes, the higher the pleasure is. The higher the pleasure is, the more you're going to want to do it, right? And that is the whole cyclical process. And that's the whole baby step that you just build upon the last thing that you did until you're comfortable with the next thing. It's just like running a marathon. You cannot run a marathon in a day, you're going to have to condition your body up to it. So you're just really conditioning yourself into the comfortability of getting outside the comfort zone. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Good, 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 good. So those are some really, really helpful tools about how to kind of guide your partner into what you want. Now, um, we talk about sex because I think sex is one of the, the stickiest subjects that you can, t- if you can, if you can master talking to your partner about sex and you should really be able to talk to them about Almost anything. Mm-hmm. I would say that money, oh, yeah. at least in my mm-hmm. relationship, was stickier than sex. Same. Because my- I had more shame. Oh, yeah. I've, <laughs> I, I've been, with my relationship with Brett, I feel like I've been pretty comfortable talking about sex since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pure romance consultant, so that was the first conversation we had on our first date. But so I, but money, I mean, I just opened up to him two, a week ago, two weeks ago, so more than a year into our relationship. So yeah, money was definitely something that I had more shame about yeah. talking about. Yeah, and if you need to hear this, um, hear it well, because I would say that it took, we've been together for seven years, so mm-hmm. I would say it took a good five to six before we were really discussing finances, and it's been about a year that we've really been working together on our finances, and that wasn't, it wasn't even about traditional, like, splitting things apart because... We weren't married yet or whatever. It was because I just didn't want him to know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want him to know how terrible I was at finances and managing and living outside my means because I was embarrassed. Not because I was hiding it because he knows, like he could see what I was spending my money on, you know, but it was just because I was embarrassed. And so I think that's true of sex. I think that's true of anything. And if you're not communicating with your partner, that's probably why is you don't know how or because you have some shame associated to whatever it is that you need to talk about. So um, have a conversation because if it ends your relationship, it wasn't meant to be. Exactly. Like, yeah, if your partner can't handle your baggage, which they have their own, mm-hmm. then it wasn't meant to be. But any any person that you truly feel that you're supposed to be with forever, then it's going to be worth it. It's going to be freaking hard and it's going to be embarrassing and it's going to take more than one conversation, mm-hmm. but it's necessary. Well, and for me, I feel, I feel like I am an anomaly. That's another hard word for me to say. But anyways, I don't feel like I'm the norm when it comes to anxiety and things like that. When I finally have the courage to talk about it and verbalize it, it loses all of its power over me. That's like I. Almost, that's true of anybody. They just don't know it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe I recognize it, so I yeah. feel a little, little bit yeah. heavier. And like, yeah. Because it's it's almost instantaneous. The second I'm done saying the thing that I was worried about saying, I'm literally like, oh, that wasn't as bad as it was. And it's now, always the and now I can talk about it. Fear the fear and feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Is the is the statement. And that is no, that is true of everybody. And the problem is is that people can't get to the point of spewing it out mm-hmm. because we 
get so close, we get so close, we get so close, but it's so so scary. What will happen? What can happen? Then your mind is. I don't. I, one of the things I teach in my class, I don't know if people know, is that your brain is designed to consistently think about every past experience you've ever had. So anytime you've had a conversation about sex or money or lack thereof in conversation, your brain goes to that. I've never had a pleasant experience. I don't even know how to have that conversation. And then it skips over this present moment of where we're living and projects everything into the future about the million possibilities that could happen based on past experiences. And that's why we get stuck. And that's why we get scared is because we think about that. And like mm-hmm. you had said is once you do it a handful of times, then you learn, oh, I'm not going to die yeah. from having that conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to whatever from this conversation. It's going to be uncomfortable, but then I'm going to get right past it. When it's almost... It's conditioning. It's conditioning. Yeah. But now it's to the point where, yeah, I don't, it maybe takes me 12 to 24 hours to have those conversations because I need time to think them through, vent about them to my close, trusted friends, and really form a, a cohesive thought and... and decide where my morals stand and if I am choosing the path that I truly connect to, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to make sure that you think things through and you're not just uh, spewing things to spew things. But That's a very valid point. But it's it's almost addictive now. It, it's <laughs> to the point where I've done it so much in the last two years yeah, yeah, yeah. that it was slow going. Like I, yeah. I would say maybe I would conquer one of my fears every month for the first year and then I started to speed things up and now it's like almost a daily or every yeah. other day thing where that I recognize like, wow, like a year ago, I would have never told somebody this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's not just me oversharing with people. It's just, I would have recognized, or I recognize that I would have been too scared to say something about yes. this or too scared to admit this. Yeah. Like the, like, for example, last night I admitted to you like two months ago, maybe I don't know timeline, but I admitted to you that I was very self-conscious about my body and I was afraid to let my partner see me completely naked. Mm-hmm. And you like, kind of, you know, joking. They were like, go just take a shower in the dark. It'll be fine. You'll get over it. And I was like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, we still haven't gotten that far. But just last night I was putting on like CBD lotion on my legs for my (laughs) leg pain. Yeah. And Brett was laying in bed. And so I was just like, well, I'm not going to go all the way to the bathroom to put this on. Like it's easier to like put my leg up on the bed. So I did it. And I was just like, this is a very unflattering angle. This is very like not sexy. Like I'm rubbing cream like deep into my muscles right now. Mm -hmm. And so, but I still did it. And I like, when I got over, like over and done with like, we still had sex that night. So I was like, this, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So maybe like him and the lights were fully on. Mm-hmm. Like I was in bra and underwear. So I was like, it was not like flattering. But I was like, okay, well, he's basically seen me completely naked. So yeah, like, yeah. and we've had sex completely naked, but the lights were off and we were laying yeah, down and it was yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's one of those like, like literally after I got in bed and we had sex, I was like, well, he didn't care. So I was, mm-hmm. it was all in my head. So Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's where most things live or in our head. So you had made a, an incredibly valid point that I think that people need to understand. So one thing to know is that like, you're not gonna be able to listen to this podcast and probably go and have the most intimate conversation with your mm-hmm. partner that you've ever had. Jess and I are both very, very heavily into personal development. We are it's incredibly to committed to it. Yes. yes, we are consistent with mm-hmm. it. We we have realized the value in having the hard conversations, not only with people we love, but with ourselves mm-hmm. in the growth aspect of it. And that's that's the thing that is the take home from it. Like you had said, because you had said, sometimes it takes me days, sometimes it takes me hours to have the conversation. But that's the progression is that 
most people aren't having the conversation ever. ever yeah. And yeah, and that's how we end up in anxiety and depression and leaving our partner or cheating on our partners or whatever, whatever, whatever. So the progression absolutely does. It, I would say the exact same thing. Like we jokingly will say like we refer to ourselves in the 2018 versions, right? Yes. Because those are the broken, sad, depressed, mm -hmm. fat, like not working to get any better versions of ourselves. So that's what we talk about. And the 2018 version of Rachel absolutely would have held it in. Mm -hmm. never talked about it or whatever exactly. or told my sob story to everybody else who would listen to validate that I was correct and to again victim, to play the victim to play the victim to yes sympathy. Yes, yeah. yes and not just again in my personal relationship that would be cattiness with other women and so on and mm -hmm. so forth but then you do you progress to realizing the problem mm -hmm. and then in a short instance when you get into personal development you'll still go I don't want to have that conversation, but I recognize that I'm yes. supposed to have the conversation mm -hmm. and that's progression. And you need to pat yourself on the back, give yourself some grace and realize that you were right on the tail end of realizing, okay, I do have to have the conversation and it might still take you a while to blurt it out. But just like you had said, it is best in my opinion that you collect your thoughts, make mm -hmm. sure that it's not uh, you did this to me. You are lacking because it never wins that way no. because your person, your person, your partner did not make you feel a certain way. And that was another cliche that I had to really get past, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have, you only have control over yourself, which is another cliche I had to get past. But realizing that nobody has the power to make me feel anyway, that is very, very difficult because we, what? are people assholes? Yes. Do people say triggering things? Do people intentionally try to be mean? Yeah. But you are the person that gets to decide how does this make me feel? Exactly. So they all connect one and one together, but you're right. It does. It gets faster and it gets easier. It does. Um, because now when I recognize a trigger, I will just immediately say to my partner, like, that didn't feel right or can I ask for clarification because most of the time, not most of the time, it's never my partner's intention to make me feel like shit. Mm -hmm. It never is. Not in this relationship. I wholeheartedly feel that with my soul that that's not the intent. I've been in relationships in the past where not only did that person try to make me feel like crap, but I did the same thing. Oh, yeah. So I recognize that here. So it is, it's all about that time and commitment. Um, to staying the course and having those hard conversations. Now you had said, well, you're we talking about getting comfortable with sex too. And I, I I've tried my best not to share this this version because I, again, it's it comes directly from my relationship. But I just think it's so powerful. Um, you know, when I was struggling with trying to feel comfortable in in my relationship in intimacy, I, I not only did I feel kind of crappy because I'm somebody that teaches empowerment to other women, um, but it is a different story when it's yourself. You mm -hmm. know, and so. For me, like I had just said to my partner, like, I just don't understand, like, how can you do this? Like, how do you, how do you just like not care and walk around or, you know, be like, don't, you would want to be like, let's throw on the lights or whatever, mm -hmm. only if you're okay with it kinds of things. And my partner, like the advice that he gave to me was just like, kind of part of it was just like shrugging off like, cause I don't care. Like I, like a dude would. And I'm like, well, that's not an answer that I can use. But the more validating thing was because I trust that you're not judging me. Yeah. And that was all it took for me was cause I was like, because he's so flipping right. Absolutely. I'm not judging him because I love him. And I mean, we could be two old wrinkly bags of raisins and we're still going to be, you know, attracted to each other. But that's all it took for him to say to me was like, God, yeah. So of course he's not judging me. That's all in my head is that he looks at me and thinks that that butt doesn't look so cute or that tummy's had two babies in it and it's not cute enough to not wear a t-shirt during sex or whatever. But he's never made me feel that way. So I had to take it at face value and mm -hmm. then really adopt it and then try to really share it with as many women as I can. So... 
We've joked before that your husband is basically like my your older big brother. brother <laughs> yeah. For clarification, Tony is not my brother, but I call him brother Tony now because the things that he has helped Rachel through, like she, and things that conversations that she and I have had, uh, he's indirectly sharing his wisdom with me all the time. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point now where I'm so comfortable that there was one time <laughs> there was just one time that I came in and you were on the phone with having a connection call with somebody and I walked in and I was just like, Tony, I gotta tell somebody my period cramps are really bad right now. And he's just like, Oh, you want some we got some for that. Yeah, we, got some for that. we got some for that. <laughs> and I was just like, I told Rachel the next day, I was just like, Your husband and I are on a different level because I feel so comfortable talking to him about anything. Like I fear no judgment from him. But it was because of those things that you had told me about yeah. about how he's like, Well, I trust that you're not judging me, whatever. Obviously, I'm not in a romantic relationship with him, so it could be different, but I've come to know Tony, and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I started smiling just now while you're telling this story because I knew where you're going mm -hmm. and that you were going to tell it, and I was really happy that you shared it because yeah. I, you can tell Tony this now. I mean, I can tell him whatever, but uh, his words that he spoke to you that you shared with me so graciously um, have helped me with a lot of things like going to the swimming pool, and mm -hmm. I hate being a 300 pound woman dating a skinny ass boyfriend oh yeah and being in a swimsuit is one of the worst things that i endure ever and after you told me that i've had zero qualms about putting a swimsuit on and getting in the swimming pool because your perspective I, has shifted my perspective is shifted shifted and it's like my boyfriend and i have a healthy sex life so obviously he's attracted to me in some way and he, literally that was like one of the first things that he told me after we started dating he was like well my dick gets hard so obviously i'm attracted to you and i was just like thank you for that so romantic <laughs> so romantic so thank romantic you. thank you for that yeah but now it's it's gotten to the point where i needed that clarification that perspective shift of it's not just that he's attracted to me, it's that he's not judging my body, so, like, because he trusts that I'm not tr judging his. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny to me, because there's been times where Brett has, like, opened up where he's just like, oh, I've got this beer gut, and, like, he's, like, patting his stomach, he's like, wish I could lose this, and I'm just like, your body looks perfect, like, Right, it's fine. right, right, and you're and, like, but why don't I ever think that? Yeah. Why don't I think that about myself? Yes. And so then it was Tony. Tony's yeah, voice popped into my head. And it, I know. He's yeah. such a good guy, and he's that's why it's, it's, so, it's so hard, because I... I don't think, I don't, I don't feel like I crossed a boundary by sharing that, obviously. Mm -mm. Um, but he is, he's just so full of wisdom he and is. helpful things that I just wish he would be a part of this things more, but <laughs> it's okay because secondhand information is still information and we can still pass it on. So yes. yeah, I'm very grateful to him to opening my eyes to a lot of different things. So, um, now the other thing, so you had brought up earlier that, that example about being tired, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's something that you have to be aware of in your relationship. So not only do you come from a background in history, you yourself, your parents, your pastors, your teachers, somebody told you and taught you the way that you live your life and the things that you believe. And that's how you got here today. That's mm -hmm. your perception of your reality. Your partner is going to have that exact same thing. And let's not forget to add that if you guys have children from previous relationships, that just throws more into the mix when it comes to parenting and things like that. But the important thing is, is that when you come to the table, if you don't have your expectations and boundaries clear with each other, that leaves like just too much room for error, right? Mm -hmm. Because you would use your example as being tired. And then we talked about the example is like, if you insinuate to your partner, I'm just so busy right now. I have oh, yeah. so much on my plate. I have so much going on, regardless if it's school, if it's your job, if it's with the kids or whatever. Most of the time, I think human beings assume, haha, because we're back to assumptions. If I'm telling somebody I'm busy, they're going to get the message that I can't help them. I can't do the thing I was supposed to do. Um, or most importantly, I think that what we're looking for is help. If yes. we're saying I'm busy, I need help. But how fair is that to your partner if you're just not clear in saying 
I need help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, because how many times a day do, do you hear the word busy? Like, people say that all oh, the time. Oh, yeah, all like, the time. How you been? Oh, oh so busy right so now. Busy. I'm so busy right now. I'm so busy. And so busy. And it's always, it, the majority of the time, I feel like, is in passing conversations. So it's not a conversation where, like, oh, how have you been? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, what can I help with? Like, that's not the yeah. go-to. That's yeah, yeah. not what we've been programmed to. It's just oh, well, have fun. Let me know if you need anything. And then you right. walk away from each other. Right. So when you're with your partner and you tell them that you're busy, that they've that been should be a clue. It yeah. should be. You, but it's you not. You want it to be. Correct. But they're, they've been conditioned by society, whatever, programmed, that, oh, busy doesn't really mean anything. It's just uh, something like a filler word. Right. Especially in our Western culture. Yes. Like, it is almost praised I would say to be busy constantly because if you're not busy you're not successful if you're not busy then you're lazy if you're not busy you're whatever 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 so we have adopted that theory and that's a whole another life for another day when people use that term because I think that it's just overused about being busy because you got a lot of time we all have the same 24 hours in a day but um it is very very accurate that you could feel busy and overwhelmed with your daily life and priorities that you feel like you might need some help so making that assumption an insinuation about anything that you say and you think that your partner can read your mind unless you've been incredibly clear like jess had said and sat your partner down and said i know it sounds crazy but you just have to know and you have to put into your memory bank that when I say I'm tired, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm sleepy. It means I'm exhausted. I need some time to myself or whatever. You need to tell your partner those kinds of things. And if you're not aware, then you have to become aware. Just like you had said, I wasn't aware that when I said I was tired, that that was very vague. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was everybody's assumption was tired means I just need to lay on the couch or whatever. Well, and if you're asking yourself like, well, how do I become aware that like, how do I know that this is going on? It's when you... When you say those things, like when I said I'm tired and he did not react the way that I wanted him to or Mm -hmm. thought he would, assumed he would, that was my cue that there was miscommunication, that something was not happening the way I thought it was going to, so I needed to reevaluate where it went wrong. And I came back to the fact that he did not understand what I'm tired meant. So it's it's a lot of self-reflection. It's a lot of understanding the words you use and how you're communicating and it's, it's also self I mean yeah I mean what I teach in my class I think is that one of the biggest tools that you should have in your belt and you should be exercising this muscle constantly if you don't have enough experience empathy mm-hmm. empathy especially in an intimate relationship because again you have to ask a question first is this somebody I love is this somebody I trust is this somebody I want to be with forever and if it is then you have to make the own assumption that they're not trying to hurt you mm-hmm. you have to make it now again Are there people who are so hurt, so broken that their defense mechanism is hurt and pain? Yes, because that's what they learned and that's how they assume they're supposed to love people that they love. So that's a deeper, that's a deeper issue. But if you have like a good stable like line to start from, then you, you do, you have to be the responsible one and say, my partner's probably not trying to hurt me. I'm, I'm misinterpreting. And again, that's where the clarification comes in. That's where they're asking questions. And can I can I make sure I understood that properly? Like, not a, you said that wrong. Let's like fix it kind of thing. It needs to be, I think I'm understanding. You have mm-hmm. understanding incorrectly. You have to make it about you. That's where the story I'm telling myself comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a powerful tool that anybody can use for any given situation. But miscommunication is the number one. Mm-hmm. The story I'm telling myself is that when I tell you I'm tired and you still try to push me out the door is that you're not hearing me when I say I need rest. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all it needs to be is not you effed it up again because I said I was tired and now here we are fighting because you can't clearly understand or remember what I told you a week ago. Right. Which is our normal go-to, right? Like I said it. Why don't you remember? Because you said it once, and exactly, yeah, and it's something new for somebody. Yes, yeah. It all goes back to being like. I mean, I tell everybody. I tell everybody um, that you have to think 
when you're dealing with other people that they're all two-year-olds mm-hmm. who stopped emotionally evolving. Oh, yeah. For most of us. And it's not specifically two. Some people act like 12-year-olds. Some people act like 18-year-olds. Some people act like 23-year-olds. But at some point in people's lives, they were emotionally broken somewhere. And that's when they stop maturing. And that's what they learn about how to deal. So when you're frustrated because you feel like your 32-year-old partner is acting like a 15-year-old, they probably are because that was where they stopped maturing. So if, if it's something that you can't sit down and get past being annoyed to have the conversation, then it's not going to, it's not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're going to be in that cycle of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's a bad place to be bad place to be. So what do we, uh, as somebody who's a little bit newer into having these conversations, right? What do you think would be something people need to do to get past the being afraid of having conversations? That's tough. What do you recommend? Well, I think that you have to, you have to kind of delve into why, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can make the assumption that somebody else is like, oh, well they were hurt by their mom or their dad. And that's why they're talking to me like this, or their parents came from a divorced family. So that's why he fights with me all the time or whatever. But you have to get real clear about your own belief system. And (laughs) why are you scared? Is it because you saw your parents try to have um, conversations and all they did was fight all the time? Mm -hmm. Is it because you saw your mom try to talk to your dad and he shut her down or vice versa in that relationship? Um, So what is it that makes you feel fearful that you can't have that conversation because you had also said that, you know, your mind spins out to, oh my God, that means we're going to break up, which I do think is like, that's what we do is we make the worst and the worst and the worst of it when it just is, it's not that big of a mountain and molehill. So paralysis through analysis, right? Like you overthink and you overthink, you overthink, and it's best for me just not to say anything because what if it makes it worse instead of better? Mm -hmm. Well, and something that I started doing with, at least with my relationship with Brett, because he's, he's lucky that he, we met while I was in the middle of personal development and he's only known me. Yeah. He's only known the 2019 and 2020 version of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. He didn't, he'd met me in 2018, but he didn't really get to know me. Yeah. And it's side story, but um, he's gotten to see some of those sides. Because step out. old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. And yep. he's like, oh, that's that ghetto Jess. And I was just like, no, that's 2018 <laughs> Jess. Okay. Like, let's get it right. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that I've had to do um, was, is when I'm personally reflecting, self-reflecting in that 12 to 24 hours is... I always go back to what would happen or what's going to happen if we don't have this conversation. I I have to think about if like, I'm afraid to, for example, I was afraid to have a financial conversation with him. I was afraid to actually let him know where I was financially. And I had started snipping at him Mm -hmm. because I, I didn't want to have the conversation, but he kept bringing up money things. And like he was frustrated because he was driving my car and the tires slipped because it was icy out. And he was like, he was angry about like, well, you have a Jeep and why is this car doing this? And why is it doing that? And I snapped at him and I was just like, because the tires are bad. Like I need new tires. And he's like, well then go get new tires. And I was like, and I screamed and the kids were in the car. And that's one of maybe three times they've ever heard me scream. And I was like, I can't effing afford them right now. And then the rest of the car ride was in silence. And I was like, that was the first income, like first thing that I had said about not being able to afford something. And so he had no idea that I was struggling internally with about money stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down and I reflected after that. I was like, first of all, we need to have a conversation about why I snapped because we were on the way to like a family dinner or something. So I was like, it was very out of character, out of place. Yeah. And I was like, what? And I was like, I'm afraid to, I don't want to be that vulnerable. I'm afraid that he's going to judge me. I'm afraid that he's not going to want to be part of this mess because my financial situation was horrible. Yeah. And so I was like, but if we don't have this conversation, then I'm not allowing him to 
to be part of my financial world. I'm not allowing him to be part of my relationship. Or not being 100% open and honest, transparent, and vulnerable like yes. you should be with a person, yeah. Yes. So I was like, I'm, like, that's a wall. And in, the, in a, I don't want a relationship with walls put up. I don't want a relationship where I can't talk to my partner about anything and everything. And even, like, it was scary. Like, I, I was avoiding figuring out exactly where my financial situation was for, with myself because I didn't want to know. I was just avoiding denial. it. Yeah, denial. Yep. Like, I kept saying, like, money ebbs and flows. It'll be fine. Like, I'll just rob Peter to pay Paul next week. It's fine. And then it finally got to a point where I, like, Peter was broke and I couldn't rob him <laughs> anymore, so I couldn't pay Paul. And so I finally sat down for myself while Brett wasn't there and wrote it, like, figured out to the penny where my debt was and where my bills were and everything. So when he came home, as I was finishing writing that, it was very easy for me to transition. Like, hey, I'm glad you had a great day. Let's talk for five minutes. And then I and then I told him, I want to have this conversation with you because I want to explain what happened the other day. Yeah. And so we did. So it's it, you have to reflect with what's going to happen if I don't have this conversation. What are the benefits of having this conversation? Not... Well, what if he reacts this way? What if he reacts? No. What are the benefits of having this com- this hard conversation? Because you have to focus on the positive, or else your monkey mind is going to keep you in that negativity loop, yeah. and it's it's only going to induce anxiety, and it's only going to make you miserable. Like, I've had such bad panic attacks about money issues in the past that I would leave our apartment and go cry in my car because I didn't want to have that conversation. And so that was one of the things: is what's going to happen if I have this conversation with him? I will no longer near feel the need to go remove myself from the apartment and to cry about, cry about it because because I don't want to have this conversation with him. Like mm-hmm. now when I'm having a hard day, I can be open and honest with my partner and I can have help. Like yeah, I can yeah. have somebody yeah. to give me advice and to give me support. It, it doesn't have to be monetarily, but right. it can be somebody there to, as a partner, help me form a plan for the future. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That, there was a lot of really good things that you said there. Um, Cause like what you were, for example, like, you know, he, He's coming from a place of safety and concern. Yes. I, like, my, my girlfriend's driving this car that she could get into an accident. Yes. And then he gets more and more upset about it because that's what his perspective is. And, of course, he has no idea that yours is about money. So then he's like, why is she pushing away from me when all I want to do is make sure that she's safe? Yes. So that's number one. Very, very important. Number two, you had said, you know, um, it's you were doing the exact same thing in personal development with money, right? Like it was like the, the money ebbs and flows is three steps into personal development, mm-hmm. FYI, guys. When if you have financial woes, it it sounds bullsh crazy yeah. that you have to start believing in that money ebbs and flows, money flows into me, money leaves me. Like it's that it's it feels so backhanded because you're like, I don't even believe this statement. Like mm-hmm. if you if you tell me all I have to do is positively think about money, then it's gonna come into my life. You bet she's crazy, but it's not what it is. It's again, getting into wealth mindset, which mm-hmm. is different um, and understanding that it starts to just train your brain to make better financial decisions, yes. to have the hard conversations, to be more aware of money. Uh, because once that's all said and done, you're, you're not spending 80% of your time fixating on where the money's going to come from and paying those bills, like you had said, and then it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing about that was that fear-based, mm-hmm. fear-based decision-making is terrible for anybody. Um, but that's what people do is they'll panic. And then when you make that 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 decision, that's where you get stuck in the loop. Yep. It's a quick fix. Like you said, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Very, very normal for people to pay musical money. Um, let, uh, 
you said you're talking about letting your walls down a little bit because that's what you were able to do. It's like when you did it in a, a smaller instance, you got a, a taste of how good it was to feel supported by somebody instead of the fear. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that's that power of positive thinking. Like people think we're hippies. People think that, oh, you can't just sit around and think for good things and they happen. But it's all part of that bigger picture again. It's like, no, I don't think that if I just say that things are going to be fine tomorrow, things will be fine tomorrow. But every time I tell myself that, it leads me into the mindset of making a decision mm-hmm. that will lead to a better tomorrow instead of staying complacent or falling farther behind because in my opinion in life when you're talking about personal development there's no neutrality like I think people think that there is like you make you do a couple of steps ahead so you're good to go but it doesn't take long before the self-doubt creeps back in uh it doesn't take long before it's like the woe is me or feeling empty inside or that your purpose your purpose has been fulfilled and you're done it's an ongoing process forever and so it is it's more rewarding every time you let those walls down a little bit further but most importantly, the phrase that you said, what will happen if I don't do this? Mm-hmm. Right. Because your brain is stuck in that negativity loop of the past and the present. I'm sorry, the past and the future, the past and the future, the past and the future, not focusing on the right here, right now, understanding I have a supportive partner in my life who is willing to make some sacrifices or have the hard conversations with me. That is the most important part of the whole three thing past, present, future, right? If you know that you're supported right here, right now, if you know that you're actually okay right here, right now, then it takes that fear away. Um, And that is literally the thing I end my class with is telling people is like, what do you have to lose? Nothing changes if like, you know, worst case scenario, so you can go back to everything you know, but what are you giving up by not making Mm -hmm. these changes? Um, So that's that, that's a powerful shift from going from consistently thinking about negative outcomes to what do I have to gain? Mm -hmm. What do I have to gain should always be the question you're asking. Because if there's even one thing over the list of 50,000 possibilities of negativity, why not go with a good one? Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. So the other thing that we want to talk about was maybe when your partner is stressed, whether this is you, whether it's the person that you're with or the multiple people you're with, whatever. um, If your partner comes to you and they've got a conflict of some kind, being able to read and also being clear to your partner what your expectation is, right? But uh, being able to read, like, are they asking me for advice here mm-hmm. or are they just doing a brain dump right right yeah so you just have to ask and you have to get like it's one of those things that i would recommend just practicing in the mirror is saying out loud would you like advice or would you like for me to just listen like do you just need to vent yeah or would you like my advice yeah say it a hundred times in the mirror so that the next time somebody nice comes habit. yeah so that somebody comes to you and starts venting about something or frustrated like our instinct is to help them and to give them solutions like like oh you have a problem with a friend or a coworker. here's my here's my 10 steps to getting a better relationship with them and I, right now like you don't want to hear that. You just want to f- vent your frustrations. Like you already know these 10 things. You already know what you could do to make the situation better, but you have no desire to, you just need somebody to listen to your frustrations. Yeah. So you as a friend, you as a partner, you as a human being just have to get comfortable with saying out loud, not just mind reading or trying to send those verbal, like those nonverbal cues. You have to get comfortable saying out loud. Like I hear, like, I'm sorry, this is going on, whatever. I hear the situation. Do you just need me? Do you just need an ear? Do you just want to vent? Or would you like my advice? Yeah. Before you give advice about anything, would you like my advice? Yeah. Yeah. And I had said to Jess before we started filming this podcast that 
like Tony's number one phrase to me is how can I help? Mm -hmm. Which covers both stasis, right? Like it's either, do you want my advice or do you just need me to listen? Because some of the time I go, I don't know what I need. I just, I had to get it out Mm -hmm. because we are, human beings are so stuck in the keeping inside. I should be smart enough to figure this out. I should be able to to do this without anybody that sometimes it just needs that vocalization. Like how many times this week were you and I working together where I said, okay, I need your help. And I would say it out loud. I go, never mind, I got it. And then you turn around and did it 10 minutes later. Yeah, 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 because it's all, sometimes you have so many complex things yeah that your brain is running a million miles an hour that you don't have enough time to slow it down and figure it out so yeah I mean and now I absolutely use that phrase with Tony when he tells me something is how can I help because sometimes it's sometimes it's not that I need help it's just that I wanted you to hear that exactly and this is really important because you know like um 2018 to whatever Rachel back in the day like this was an incredibly poignant part for our relationship because when my husband was struggling with um you know with his relationship with his ex when it came to parenting I was terrible Mm -hmm. I was so terrible like he would come to me and tell me what happened and I was in defense mode Mm -hmm. immediately about well you need to do a b and c because Mm -hmm. how dare she insinuate you're a bad father how dare Mm -hmm. she insinuate whatever you need to defend yourself is where it was and all he was looking for was support all he was like I'm frustrated there's nothing I can do about it I just need you to know and I, I mean I I tell this because I need people to hear that for months he stopped talking to me about her and I was in such a selfish place that I didn't even recognize that he stopped talking to me about her. It wasn't until he told me a few months later, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you anymore because your solutions just frustrated me. Not, not because like they were stupid solutions. They were stupid solutions, Mm -hmm. but it was because he was in a rock and a hard place that Mm -hmm. he, he couldn't do anything that I suggested because I was being very immature. Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to match her for what she was doing, but he knew like, that's not going to solve anything for Mm -hmm. us, unfortunately. Um, but then he had no support. Mm -hmm. So how devastating to me to find out later that my partner couldn't come to me with one of the biggest things going on in his life. Um, because I was just such an irresponsible little brat. You know what I mean? Like I just couldn't be there. And luckily I'm pretty sure, you know, he had his mother who was just, just a saint. So he was able to vent to somebody during that time frame. but that's exactly where I've shifted my perspective is, you know, he'll tell me something now and we have zero control over the outcome. It's God, that is frustrating. What can I do to help? <laughs> you bring that phrase right back in there, but then he feels supported and he knows that I'm not going to fly off the handle with some unrealistic outcome that we can't do, which only further frustrates him because now he has two women mad at him instead of, you know, just, I can't do anything about that. So let me go to this person I love and trust that can help me through it. So universe moment. I feel like we had, we chose this podcast. So universe moment. I think that we chose this this podcast topic for a reason because I needed to hear what you just said. (laughs) I am right where you were five years ago. I am, I am in the, our relationship is still relatively new. We've only been together for a year and a half, but, um, or coming up on a year and a half, whatever. Uh, but he is dealing with an, un in my mind, unreasonable ex, somebody who she's, she's been hurt a lot in her life. So she, she reacts defensively about every situation and she thinks that the world is attacking her on every situation. And so it's my nature. Like when, when she flies off the handle at the smallest thing, like my 2018 response is how the fuck dare she, like, Mm -hmm. how dare she respond that way to him when he was trying to help? How dare she insinuate that he doesn't know how to take care of his sick kids when he was taking them to the doctor, like she suggested, like, and so it, I have been giving him my 
2018 response and that's why he was like oh that's how ghetto Jess because <laughs> I, was, I was getting heated and yeah. I was getting angry and I was getting defensive and I was trying to defend my partner and telling him to do all these things and I recognized within the last week that I'm adding to the problem I'm adding fuel to the fire and I'm not giving him the support that he needs for to find solutions yeah and so thankfully I, I think that we're at a place now where truthfully I I almost asked him to stop talking to me about it because when you he, didn't feel like you had anything productive to I, add. I didn't think that I had anything productive to add but also selfishly when I come home and I've had a great day and all of a sudden he's burnt out because he just spent the last two hours fighting with her and then spends the next hour venting to me about it like it's draining yeah. for me like for everybody I, yeah. I recognize that it's draining for him it's draining for her but like I wasn't even a part of it and now I feel like I'm being dragged down because of it. And yes, he's my partner and I want to be there for everything, but I have zero control over that. And it's very difficult for me as a human being to have zero control over a situation that I am in the middle of. Right. And then that's true of anybody. Of anybody, Anybody, yeah. But it's, I almost asked him to stop talking to me about anything to do with her because hearing her name gives me like anger. Like it, and that's. Oh, I was there. One of the reasons why I'm in therapy is because I don't want to have anger just because somebody says a name. Yeah. And so. I think that I needed to hear that, that, exa- that, that it, example was it, yeah. perfect for me. That thank you. I, I'm yeah, you're very welcome. appreciative of yes, our friendship. It gets and- better. It really does get better. Even even if things don't get better on the other side. Because yeah. most people know that they're not better for mm-hmm. us, unfortunately. And I, I, I get emotional because I truly wish they were. But there's nothing you can do about it. And it is. It's taking all your precious energy that can be directed someplace else when you have zero control. So I... In that situation, I have 100% been able to em- embrace bless and release. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I've ever had that. Um, and a recent book that I have been reading, too, is talking about the power of now. Highly recommend to read it. It's the best book I've ever read about spirituality. But basically what it talks about is, like, you know, when somebody comes to you with an, an issue, all we really do in our brains is that's what we're doing. Is that they're telling us our problem. We're thinking, how can I fix this? I know something that happened mm-hmm. like this. I've been in this situation. I know better. But the power is just being present mm-hmm. with that person and just giving them full attention, shutting your brain off and just hearing what mm-hmm. it is. That is honestly what what you need to do with your partner in any given situation. But if you're looking to increase communication, you got to carve out time and you have to sit down mm-hmm. and say like, mm-hmm. like, and what better time to do it? That's what I try to tell people is like, we, we think of these things in the heat of the moment. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. You need to come to each other when it's neutral And like, you can come with a list. It can't be a, you did this list. It needs Mm -hmm. to be, these are my triggers list. What are yours? And then you're aware of each other so you can support one another and then correct those behaviors. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing. Because I think, you know, Jess and I can 100% vouch that when you're in the right relationship, things are easier, but it, but it takes work. It still takes work because you're still two different people, two different mindsets. But most importantly, because you want to understand that person and you want to give them everything they need. And that only makes the relationship more fulfilling. Just yeah. So a lot of good things covered today, I think. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Anderson and I both are in the intimacy field. So mm-hmm. feel free to reach out to either of us if you need more conversation about this, if you need some one-on-one advice, if you feel like, you know, something we said resonated with you, especially about improving your lifestyle, please, please, please feel free to do so. We're going to go ahead and wrap up our podcast for today. Uh, but just remember, if you got value from this, you can not only like the podcast to file for a new uh, file. How about to, what are the world looking <laughs> for? Subscribe. 
subscribe but i was looking for something else or whatever whenever we have um new topics that come out and you can share them with your girlfriends anybody especially a partner if you feel like they would benefit from hearing this conversation with you that'd be great uh jess go ahead and wrap it up tell people where they can find you one more time photos with anderson you can find me at photoswithanderson.com on facebook you can search for that super top secret group boudoir photos with anderson if you'd like um and then you can also just email me at or at photoswithanderson at gmail.com photoswithanderson at gmail.com yep, yep. perfect well we'll go ahead and wrap this up don't forget again we have our empowerment class which has been so powerful coming up on the 18th and the 27th of february here in lincoln one of them being the online on the 18th you can find rachel on a good girl's guide of the facebook over there you can also follow me on my public page as well if you are feminine energy and at least 18 years or older give me a heads up and i can get you invited to the vip page where we do a lot of sexual wellness and intimacy and over on instagram at vote for parties again don't forget to share this absolutely free podcast so i want to thank you so much for tuning in we appreciate all your love and support we absolutely love when you get something from them mm -hmm. as well we will be back next week with a new topic not sure what yet but we like to drum them up like right before we get started so it will work so just fine okay <laughs> all right well thanks again for tuning in enjoy the rest of your week ladies and gents and that's it so bye bye, bye.